0: Welcome to Witch Talks, a series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, an intuitive tarot reader, astrologer, and eclectic witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favourite witches. Welcome back to part two of Rosie's story. If you haven't yet listened to part one, you'll need to jump on over to that episode and make sure you're up to speed, as this is the second part of her story. Enjoy. Now here is a quick content warning before we start, as the topics that we're covering today may be triggering for some listeners or viewers. These topics include religious trauma and abuse, financial abuse, sexual assault, and I urge you to tread carefully or skip this particular episode if listening may cause more harm than good. You know yourself best. What do you find is your biggest misconception that you face with your work as what I'll term a spicy accountant. And I should clarify for those listeners who may not be aware of the TikTok accountant trend. Um, so there was an audio that went around (laughs) that said, uh, I can't remember the full audio, but it's basically oh, yeah. if you don't want people to ask questions about what you do, just say you're an accountant because no one asks yeah. you questions when you say you're an accountant. <laughs> um, I've actually, I had a, <laughs> a friend introduce me to their girlfriend and she said she was an accountant. And I went, oh, a real one? And she was like, yes. And yes. I'm like, oh, are not aware. Then I had to go into telling her what I meant and it was. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, yep, I'm the only one here that has a TikTok account, obviously. Oh,
1: my! Um, yeah. yeah, So, it's like nobody asks you yeah. questions when you say you're an accountant. What do exactly. you do? I'm an accountant. Where do you work? At a place where accountants work.
0: <laughs> so a spicy accountant is usually someone who has, sometimes it was an OnlyFans account or they might be a sex worker or whatever it is that they don't want to talk about, Um with the general populace or if they're just bumping into someone. So with that, with your work in that, um, now, are you still on OnlyFans? I know there was a big shift in their finance stuff and things were going down. I've not used it, so I'm not really in that loop. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, yes, I actually I am. What basically happened was I had to diversify. Um, OnlyFans is still letting us be there. Who knows how long that's going to last? Uh, the clause changed, I believe, so that they can just remove stuff without telling. So, okay. everyone is still hyper aware of them for the time being, but this could change down the road. Um, I kind of always wanted to be an accountant. This mm-hmm. was actually something one of my most popular TikToks on my shadow, Rosie Cord Shadow Realm TikTok was literally me just being like, Uh, gosh darn it I actually did want to be this as a kid because a lot of people will say this about like strippers or sex workers or stuff it's like well it's not like she wanted to be that it's like this pathetic little thing of like pity just Mm -hmm. like she didn't want to be that like it's it's okay it's like no I did (laughs) like I did I actually wanted to be this as like I I would see like burlesque dancers in media and stuff like that and be like Huh,
0: I wish Mm -hmm. that was me. (laughs) I have had that feeling as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like it's not um, uncommon to want to be that way. And so there's actually a combination of like our biggest walls for sex workers. And that is one of the biggest ones is that sexualization equals objectification. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something I've started talking about recently. And objectification is technically a kink, (laughs) literally. Literally objectification is a kink. You're somebody's Mm -hmm. table or whatnot. Like I'm a witchy dom. So if I was in an objectification scene with somebody, um, I might have them be like my tarot reading table or something like that, right? It's literally physically a kink. However, our social cognitive definition of it originally was women trying to express, hey, I feel like you're not interacting with me as a person. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like a lot of other many things, it has kind of become a misogynistic form of oppression and discrimination. Because quite frankly, what you usually hear um, objectification being said is, you're objectifying yourself. You should Mm be ashamed. You're doing this to yourself. You are harming yourself. And you see what they did there is they took away your consent and your autonomy and tied a guilt and shame reinforcer to you being sexual.
0: I love how you just framed that. That was, yeah, that's so clear. (laughs) Yeah. When you put it that way. Yes.
1: Yeah. So the concept of objectification, honestly, I think we need to start moving away from it. Um, I think like a lot of things like our concept of sex addiction, we've let that go. Freudian psychoanalysis, we're all like, you were on a lot of cocaine and stuff like that, so we're moving on. Object- yeah. The concept of, of objectification has become a hammer being used against women. It is not actually that helpful of a concept for women, for sex workers, and sex workers are not all women. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I come across TikToks being like, OnlyFans is bad, and you're objectifying yourself, it's always a binary of women objectifying and commodifying themselves for men. And I'm like, you know, many of my sex worker mutuals are straight, cis, white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's so many of them. There's the gays, the gays, the envies. Sex workers are everywhere. They're everybody. It's not men and women. It's not men looking for this. And um, part of my platform, um, I am very intentionally am an LGBTQ plus friendly sex worker I don't like I do caregiver dom content so um a good portion of my content is for trans people I have, like <laughs> positive affirmation for trans because there's not a lot out there in sex-based consumption media for LGBTQ floods. it's not a lot specifically targeted for lesbians or trans and I try to um part of my platform that I'm building is being inclusive and being mm-hmm. like yeah this is for you too. This isn't This isn't just a femme presenting sex work or making sex content for men. This mm-hmm. is for, for everybody because it's normal, healthy human behavior. Um, and that sex work for me has been part of my shadow work, part of my um, deconstruction of faith in that not only do, the sky hasn't fallen kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the line, going into sex work was a line where the sky did not fall and it 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 gets very frustrating because people will do this thing where they'll either make you automatically a victim or they'll be like sex work automatically equals trafficking which Mm -hmm. does not consent is everything and so a lot of us are in it consensually enthusiastically and there'll be people who are like you've done damage to yourself it's inherently damaging or you can never undo it or scrub it from your records. Actually, yes, you can. There's always a way to scrub from your records. And a lot of employers today don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not the same world anymore. Yeah. yeah.
0: I love that you said that was almost like this line that you crossed. I found that even just with tarot myself from my mm-hmm. deconstruction. And that took a long time. I've only, I don't know if I've quite been out of the church as long as I was in it. Uh, I've been out for about 15 years now. 16 years now, something like that. Um yeah, yeah. but it took a long time. I didn't pick up a tarot deck until my my early twenties. And when I did, it was mortifying and terrifying. And it took a very, very long yeah. time to do that. When mm-hmm. I finally did, it was sort of this stop moment and look around. Did a demon pop out?
1: <laughs> yeah. Where's the portal <laughs> the door I had that with D D as well, where I was just like, is there, is there where's the portal? Yeah. <laughs> And then
0: you sort of realize, oh, maybe there isn't one. Maybe yeah. that wasn't true. Oh my goodness. What else is not true?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, like, so that happens with tarot. It happens with d d with consuming certain types of media. So <laughs> I kind of have like this sinner's bucket list that I've been working through.
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So sex work has been on my sinner's bucket list for a long time and I kind of, Took the opportunity. I basically was like, you know what? I've separated from my from my spouse. My um, starting life over. It's COVID. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know what? I've always wanted to. Let's. I've crossed these lines. Let's cross this one here. And it's one of the best decisions that I've ever made for my own well being. I love. I love what I do. Um, what What is frustrating is that people perceive sex work as inherently bad and they'll see the negatives and the risks as salient only because of the stigma but -hmm. they're not recognizing that the very same things that they point out in sex work exist in every other career Mm -hmm. like objectification (laughs) the medical field treats people like objects Mm -hmm. in no like I, I do not actually feel like an object. I sign into my OnlyFans to message after message after message of positive affirmation of, I love your content, I love what you do, and specifics about the content that they like. In the medical field, I was working minimum wage, putting my body and my health at risk and not even getting the medical support that I would need to keep doing it sustainably. Mm. The medical field is what treats people like objects. and Like they'll talk about how sex work will make you feel worthless. Sex work will have like this permanent um, traumatizing effect on your brain. And I'm like, you wanna also maybe talk about that with like your EMTs, your doctors, your surgeons, your senior care people, even people working with like kids who are high needs. Like there's all these other jobs come with similar risks and each one you have to decide your acceptable level of risk. So true. Now,
0: I'm sure as well that the money aspect or the financial aspect of sex work, it can be viewed in a very negative light. They're just doing it for mm-hmm. the money. But I'm sure for you, that was a key to your almost freedom and getting this apartment yeah, yeah. that you have. Um, Absolutely. Was, was finances something that was, did you have control of your own finances when you were with your spouse or what happened with that?
1: So what I married into was communal or at least they presented themselves as communal, but to be honest, it was kind of like a cover for the control issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I was never comfortable with just like the level of familiarity, family members having access to each other's bank accounts. And so I had my own bank account and I was actually the one while we were in that, like with the family who was working full-time and bringing in the income for rent and Mm -hmm. bills. but there was kind of like this thing of I have my own savings account, and I'd be told, Well, that means you want to leave. Oh, mm. uh, on women, only the only women who have savings accounts are those who want to leave. And I was like, I'm being smart. This is an investment account, like, it's collecting interest. When you mm-hmm. about it. Right. So with OF, and I actually saw a TikTok about this 300,000 likes, but it was all confirmation bias based of this person going, all of these women started OnlyFans and only made like maybe a hundred and something a month. And they were like, well, this like OnlyFans lied, it's a pyramid scheme, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, there's a lot of people who invested money and time into Twitch streaming, YouTube content, Instagram, um, TikTok, even, like all of this other social media they invested in and failed. So the question becomes, why is it you're paying attention only really to those who failed on OnlyFans and not to all these other people who never made it on these other platforms? And I'm also like, um, are you going to say that they failed because the platform was a lie or did you actually examine that they were utilizing the platform effectively? Mm -hmm. Because I had 100,000 followers on my main TikTok before I started OnlyFans and I made sure through my kink content to garner interest, I made the demand before I actually made the product available. And that's why I'm making a living wage off it now. You
0: you treated it like a business whereas some people treat it as, oh, I might get some extra money.
1: Yes. And I'm like, it, it literally is in the name OnlyFans. And as a content creator i'll tell you if people enjoy your content they like you as a creator they'll invest in you um this TikTok has given us this whole other level of people can be involved in their entertainment you can invest in your entertainers you can be part of their discord community and interact with them so you can help them get better equipment you can help them with costuming and makeup and stuff and you can watch like i part of the reason i grew and became a whole different content creator and kind of like blossomed in that is because people invested in me as a content creator. So with OnlyFans, they're still doing that. They're still investing in the educational content, not just the OSFW. Um, I thought, I love making OSFW content. I thought it was gonna be like the feet content. I thought it was gonna be the spicy content, the, the oh my gosh, the sexy stuff. Um, a good portion of the people there literally just are there asking me, can I get personalized? Um, you're doing good and I'm proud of you content. Oh, I love that. And that's what people really need. That's that emotional need
0: that is not getting met in other areas of their lives. And I mean, sex work is one of the oldest careers in the world. And because of that reason, because not everyone can get those emotional needs validated and met
1: in an ordinary sense. Exactly. Exactly, and so the basis of my NSFW content, my caregiver dom stuff, became about consent and about realistically consensually negotiating to meet valid core needs. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. that became the whole basis of everything. I and mean, being like, if you want to negotiate me with me for content, yeah, that's what I'm here for. I here are my hard limits. Um, here's what I need is compensation for that, and I will meet that need for you. Look at um, you setting
0: boundaries, and oh, it's fantastic! <laughs> Such a big change from where it was to where it is now. That's mm-hmm.
1: fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I am. I'm very frustrated with like all the biases about sex work because every single issue that people bring up, I'm like, that can be effectively addressed in some way. It's like you keep presenting mm-hmm. problems and refusing to see. The solutions that are there like not everyone gets objectified um I do not ever feel disrespected like at no point um I started my only fans in January and between January to now which is uh September not once have I felt disrespected or objectified I've had one stalker issue and that was they kind of like went through OnlyFans a little bit, but they were also in all of my other social media because visibility equals risk. It wasn't sex work equaling that risk. In this case, it was literally visibility as a content creator.
0: Mm -hmm. Which you can get anywhere for doing anything. Exactly. Now, we actually have some listener questions questions for you today, too. So uh, for anyone who wants to submit listener questions for my guests, uh, you can do so on my Patreon Facebook page. So jump on over to the Patreon to sign up. Now, this first one comes from Warwick. So he asks, have you kept any of your Christian beliefs or practices and have you applied them to your craft? And do you have an altar with any symbolism from Christianity?
1: OK, so. Um, Part of my deconstruction process really was still keeping, like as the comfort levels change. So I was like, I'm full on Christian, but then taking in some of this stuff and then now I'm a Christian witch and now I am eclectic witch. I would not consider myself Christian now um, because my entire perspective of Christianity has changed because my special interest is the study of the human brain and behavior. And especially after interacting with witch talk it became very apparent that humans are humans regardless of their belief system mm-hmm. you see so much similar behavior They, like you'll see prosperity gospel from christianity and you will see manifestation from new age which is like yes pagan. yes
0: yeah. that is that is something to be very wary of and i try to be vocal about it as well with the prosperity doctrine in the church you get that in the new age and spiritual community as well and it can be just as damaging and the wellness community and you know if you're sick it's because your uh your thoughts you know create your reality and you're thinking sick thoughts oh no that is not how it works so thank you for touching on that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like it kind of became this um realization of Um, Actually, this month, the theme for my content, my Patreon, um, all of that stuff has been staying safe with spiritually unsafe people. Mm -hmm. And part of that is recognizing that a lot of our concepts of heaven and the afterlife are trauma responses. Uh, Because if you think of heaven, it is the place where bad things don't happen. It's a lot of people don't have processing skills for bad things. They don't have emotional coping skills. So if you have the concept of heaven and you're doing whatever perfectionistic behavior is going to make sure you get to the good place, it becomes like this reinforced trauma response over time. Um, So when it came to Christianity, um, for me in any religion, I wouldn't consider myself necessarily tied to any religion. I think every religion actually has trauma responses in it when you have the religions that talk about don't have attachments that's a trauma response as well because if you're not attached to anything you can't be hurt by its loss instead of developing coping mechanisms emotional processing for the loss of what you're attached to you're just like don't attach to anything <laughs> but that's insecure avoidant attachments mm-hmm. that's not uh, that's not necessarily healthy either so you'll see people go from um insecure anxious attachments with Christianity to Jesus to insecure avoidant attachments with like Buddhism and Hinduism and stuff. Mm -hmm. Each one of these religions has inherent archetypal wisdom, but they also have archetypal trauma responses. So to me, the question became, what is the archetypal good stuff? What is actually effective versus ineffective? Because each religion kind of has this, but at least for myself, literal deity worship was not very helpful. Um, the most I've retained from Christianity was the Holy Spirit or Mm -hmm. the concept of Sophia and wisdom, because that became a helpful grounding archetype for myself as a woman transitioning out of Christianity, because wisdom is an archetype that transcends, that just transcends Christianity. And so from Sophia, you connect to like Athena and Hecate and just like you, you just watch feminine archetypes of wisdom throughout time and history. And that kind of became very grounding for me mm-hmm. through that processing.
0: Yeah, I love that. I I also have had issues with the whole deity concept.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think
0: anyone deconstructing from Christianity itself will, especially, I mean, what is the very first commandment? Do not, you know, worship other gods. Yes. So. That's almost like that's above everything else. And there's a really funny meme out there. So, the, again, we're going to the meme girls when they say, yeah. Thou shalt not worship other gods. So, you agree, there are other gods. You agree.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's like mm,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so that I think that was really, really difficult for me to sort of put that park that one and look at other ones. It took a very, very long time, and I'm just sort of stepping into that a little bit now, but it's very tentative and it's just testing the waters. And I suggest that to anyone who's starting a new thing that might be a little funny feeling at first. You're like, oh, this feels a little bit wrong. Why does it feel wrong? Again, that's the shadow work. Oh, is that because the church told me it was wrong? Okay. So it might not really be wrong and just sort of unravel it that yeah, way. And exactly. give yourself the freedom as well to try it and say, nope, it's not for me and put it away. So mm-hmm. that's okay.
1: Um oh,
0: yeah, now, yeah. Now uh Bren has a question as well, which was, did you know all along that the Christian path was not yours or were you so heavily entrenched in it that it just it just felt like it was a part of you.
1: It was, oh my gosh, I invested so much of my identity into being a Christian. Um, Like the generational trauma that I've had to work on and undo is service behaviors, perfectionistic behaviors. Um, For the women in my family, there's kind of been like this very reinforced bond trauma response where you're supposed to serve and keep the people around you happy. I was raised to believe that my worth and value as a person as a woman was to serve others so I invested heavily in healing and stuff like that and I had a hard time like I remember from a very young age fighting internally with the theology that was being presented and something that I've been very vocal about on my platform is not everyone leaves because they were treated badly Mm -hmm. I didn't leave because I was treated badly. Like I've said, you get treated really well when you're behaving. Yeah. (laughs) If you're, if you're fulfilling all this stuff and masking, like I said, is easy. So it is very easy to get treated well, if you behave the way they want you to. Mm. However, um, I remember hitting just these walls psychologically of, I hate this. I really don't like this. And I think the first one I remember was in a Sabbath school at about five years old and we were singing this one war gospel song that goes like we are soldiers in the army we have to fight although we have to die we have to hold up the gospel banner we have to hold it up until we die and then they would go like the Sabbath school teacher would point at a student and be like Bryson was a soldier. And then the kid would stand, would like jump up and go, yeah. And then everyone would go, hands on the gospel, plow, wow, wow. And then it's like one day they got old, they couldn't fight anymore. And then the kid would go stand up and fight anyhow. And then it would go around to the next kid. And I remember as a five-year-old, like kind of like getting small, like as this song goes around the room, I'm just getting like smaller and smaller and smaller and, smaller and being like, I am small. And I don't like this. I didn't agree to this. I don't want to go to war. I didn't sign up for this. Mm. I remember just at a very young age being so upset (laughs) by just all of it. And you're like, I didn't sign up for this. But then being like, oh, I don't have a choice because you'd go to the Christian camp and they would do these like romans versus the christians or jesus is coming again and the sunday keepers are coming so they'd split up the campers as like the bad guys to like the saved ones and anybody who didn't choose a side automatically was killed at the end of time yeah so it's very reinforced you don't have a choice it's either god or death which now actually ties back to why i am so adamant about kink education Mm -hmm. because kink educators are the ones talking about reversible consent if you can't reverse and if there's a punishment it's not consensual so i've never heard that that's fantastic yes so when you talk for me the concept at least of christianity and the end times of this great controversy is what these seventh-day Adventists call it of god versus satan is it's not consensual there's Mm -hmm. no reversibility and it does not like it's basically a punishment if you don't say yes it is a punishment which means there is no consent Mm. and that to me was like even if deities exist that doesn't mean you that doesn't mean they're healthy deities yeah
0: yeah I'm curious did they ever use this uh on you guys we had the they used to say this all the time the pastor would stand up in church and we had a. a, it was a mega church It was very very big and they would say you know let's say a a shooter comes in now and they're going to hold a gun and they're going to say, anyone who believes in God, stand up now. And then, you know, you're going to die. What would you do? And everyone would stand up. (laughs) And I remember being a a child in this, right. And you stand up because everyone else is, and you don't want to be singled out because then everyone would know you don't really believe in marks. But I was like, what idiot would stand up, right? <laughs> Surely, if God is real, He wants us to be alive so we can spread the gospel. Well, that's not going to work if we're dead. But then you have to be willing to die for Him so that you get eternal life. It was this absolute crazy mind spiral that I'd go on, and it was like, well, oh, I have to stand up because my parents are standing up. But if I don't stand up, then you know I'm going to get right. in trouble. So again, that's that consent thing that you're going to get punished if you don't do what what is expected of you. It was very oh it's stuck
1: oh, no. in my brain it's horrible i know i know exactly what you're talking about and it would be stuck because that is inherently traumatic mm-hmm. it, something part of the anger response for me also was in the awareness of the psychological abuse that is inherently in the end times ideology and theology and especially that whole you can't Because the human wants to survive. Like the human brain, the brain, it's like, I say this a lot. It is, we're land squid. We're just land squid doing our best with the squishy blob (laughs) and the soup around it. And it's a good squishy. It is trying to take care of itself. And we got gasless out of what the good squishy does to take care of itself. We were told that that's sinful, that our survival instincts are sinful. And if we can't overcome them, we don't love Jesus. And I'm like, that is not okay. And we're not built for death ideation. Mm -hmm. It is inherently traumatic. And it, it leads to anxiety and depression. When you raise people to believe they're going to die at any point that they're, and I was raised to believe I was going to see my whole family slaughtered in front of me. Potentially I was going to be tortured to death. We had to flee to the mountains for safety Mm. to flee from the Sunday keepers. Like that's not healthy. For the human brain. Like our good squishy brain, it it likes good things. It it's not built to literally perpetually be focused on the end of the world or um for just being attacked and having to ignore all of its natural instincts. Mm. There's an audio I just found of I am a C, like the I am a ch like I am a C H like I'm a Christian. Oh, yes. I know
0: the one. I know the one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. So there's like a pop version that is going around TikTok. And there's a lot of people sharing just like inherently traumatic things with this song that they experienced through Christianity. And one of them was like this kid being like me as a seven-year-old imagining all the ways I was going to die. Um, Cause you had to be prepared. So they're like, they're reenacting drowning. They're reenacting like the lions and stuff. And just we're like, on, literally on the cross i mean like you had to mentally prepare yourself
0: yeah i i was more so we didn't have this like you're going to physically die or any of that sort of thing but we definitely had the the spiritual warfare aspect and the uh fire and brimstone aspect mm-hmm. and demons are uh, literally everywhere which is real uh witchcraft is real And, you know, they're going to get you. And if you have a bad thought, then that's demonic. That's a a demon thought. Um, Those sorts of things were very, very traumatic as a child. I remember having dreams that I had demons hiding under my bed and I'd be mortified. You know, when you have to do the big, you got to go to the toilet in the middle of the night, you have to jump off the edge of the bed. So the demon doesn't catch you. Like, I don't know if that's, a natural thing that kids are supposed to do. My daughter certainly hasn't done that, uh, but it was just this fear that demons were literally hiding everywhere and they were gonna get you. And oh, it took yeah. a long time to, to realize that that wasn't actually accurate. And, oh, it's just so damaging. And you, you'd be able to see a lot of that, the psychological aspects of things like the music and the songs that they sing and how that can impact us emotionally as well. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, yes, actually I do. Um... Like, you know, for a lot of people, they describe this really crushing experience of feeling so connected to God, so spiritually connected at a church camp, at an evangelistic series. They were slain in the spirit, so to speak. There was the call to the altar and you're just giving your life to Jesus and then they go home and it's gone and they, they're trying so hard to get it back and they're putting all this effort, they're tithing, they're doing all these behaviors to serve the church that the church benefits from. But they're like, where is it? Where's the good, where's that? Where is it? That felt so good, bring it back. That is because it was artificially created within the context of that social scene. And now um, we do know that they do it intentionally. Um, they create these social settings that activate certain parts of your brain to feel that way, but they'll correlate it to being connected to God so that when you leave, you're caught in this abuse cycle of high service behaviors, perfectionistic behaviors, that burn you
0: out. I interrupt your listening pleasure to ask you if you're enjoying this podcast. I ask because this series is a labor of love. And if you like what you're hearing, consider signing up as a Patreon supporter to see its continued success. Not only will you receive exclusive access to my private Facebook group, but also monthly live readings and moon ritual worksheets. Head over to patreon.com forward slash suburban witchery to sign up now. And now back to the show.
1: And it's something that was really healing for me over time was um, I found that like instead of spiritual warfare with Christianity, when I went into witchy stuff, I was doing similar behaviors with warding and cleansing and being like constantly warding, constantly cleansing. Like you'd never know when you're going to be under attack. And I was like, what if I'm not, though? What What if I'm not? I'm so tired. I am so tired of praying. Into cleansing and warding. I'm so tired, but I w- I was perceiving all this demonic stuff, or, or I was perceiving all this spiritual stuff, and I stopped and I started pulling away from it. And it was it was such a relief to step back from all of this spiritual warfare stuff and be like, wow, that was exhausting. That was a lot, <laughs> and um. Like one of the reasons I really don't like being used in sermons by my parents is um, I remember at 11 years old, them telling a story to the congregation, this is even before he was a pastor, of how I as an infant or like somewhere between infancy and toddler was having nightmares that they correlated to demonic activity. And in this sermon, I'm sitting there alone in the pew at 11. The whole church is turning back to look at me as my father's describing laying hands on me and i'm levitating off the bed as demons leave and flee in jesus name and they're like i didn't sign up for this and now i'm the weird kid (laughs) just being demonically harassed oh no i did not sign up for this And it's just um unfortunately pastor's kids um experience a lot of violation of privacy and consent and violation of their boundaries by their parents from the pulpit Um, but when it comes to like the demonic and whatnot, when you're in that scenario, when you are constantly having it reinforced, you're under attack, it can come at any point you do start perceiving it. You're, you become very hyper aware. That's why I'm like, I started pulling it apart. And I was like, we are literally intentionally giving people trauma, hyper awareness, of their spiritual environment. Like this is not normal. This is the same behavior as being hyper aware of the people and their emotions to stay safe. We're just trauma response to the spiritual world. Mm-hmm.
0: It's really damaging. I, so as a teen, as I said before, i had disordered eating. I had depression, anxiety. Uh, there was a lot going on for me. And when my parents found out, because it was hidden for a long time, because that's not, the image that you want to put yeah. out, right? Uh, when my my mum she found my diaries and and discovered that something wasn't quite right. And while she did do the right thing and take me to a psychologist, she also took me to a what I remember, it was a prayer group this was not our oh, church this was a different church and I think this was because there was shame attached to my daughter's not no, well I don't want anyone to know so we went to another another church that i would never been to before and was sort of taken along where they stood in a circle and prayed and to cast the demons out of my life yeah. that were you know influencing me and the worst part was that one of them, obviously, there was an, um, as I said, it's a psychically active church, right? So there was mm. a little bit of intuition that came through that was accurate. And for my mum, that confirmed for her that they knew this was real. There was something going on. Uh, they knew that about you, they couldn't have known. And, you know, obviously, there was demonic stuff happening. Mm. And that it just confirmed all of that for her. And then Terrified the daylights out of me as a oh, I, I think I was 14. Like oh no absolutely terrifying oh, that no. I've just gone through this exorcism again, no consent none of that as well. So the damage that can be done with this spiritual warfare the drama that they, oh. they play out, it's
1: absolutely crazy. absolutely you see, like even in those circles, because human behavior tends to remain pretty consistent if you're looking at something like an eating disorder and whatnot, it is not hard to see consistent patterns that, that you could just be aware of in somebody else. Even if they haven't told you, you can have an awareness and be like, okay, it's probably here too. Mm-hmm. And then to have it passed off as being like a spiritual uh, from God awareness of you. Um, and they do it like pastors will kind of do this thing with more confirmation bias, um, When my extended family, who are pastors, um, found out that I was a witch, I got a phone call and they were like, you know, as a pastor, we work, I've worked with so many people and like there tends to be all these issues and like, it's not healthy, et cetera. And I'm just like, you only interact with people who are having negative experiences with the occult. You are not talking Mm -hmm. with anybody who has long-term healthy interactions or uses of the occult or their pagans or whatnot you only are interacting over here which is like the preacher's version of clinicians bias yeah or you oh like we interact with yeah like the kink world had this with clinicians of like the medical field only interacting with people who have been injured in kink I mean like hope kink is bad and it stayed in the DSM-5 for way too long in the paraphrase like DSM as a paraphilia for too long. And now it's not because we've acknowledged the clinician's bias Mm -hmm. and the Christian world has not acknowledged the preacher's bias regarding the occult. I've never thought of it that way. You
0: are blowing my mind today, Rosie. (laughs) (laughs) You have so many nuggets of wisdom that have just been sort of peppered through. And I'm sure for anyone who like, I believe I have deconstructed but there's all these things here that is almost just helping me open up a little bit more about some of the things that you still have these fears or you still have this guilt response and I can recognize it now, but, and I'm sure there's other people out there that are in the exact same spot and or similar journey. So that's fantastic. So thank you so much. Now, can you let us know, uh, lastly, the very last thing, any tips, if someone is questioning their religion, how would they go about leaving? Do you have your number one tip?
1: Okay, absolutely. So, um, when it comes to your spiritual life, your mental or physical health or your sex life that belongs between you and your licensed registered professionals. Um, I would also recommend that if you can tell you're kind of on the way out, you know, you're in an unsafe social environment. Um, what they like to do, um, what a lot of the unhealthy Christian, um, communities will do is they will use operant conditioning in the form of removal of positive stimulus. In this case, ostracism, they will try to reinforce the bias that if you leave them, you leave God, your life will fall apart. So if you start leaving, they will ostracize you and to kind of keep you in a vacuum without positive affirmation, without support, they basically, if if you really look for it, there's often this make you dependent on them that you might not even be aware of. So if you are trying to leave, you're out in the cold. So if you can tell that you're on the way out, invest in other communities so that you're not in a vacuum. One of the reasons I have House of Courts is because, and for people who are deconstructing, is literally to be like, you're not alone you're not in the vacuum, there's a lot of people like you who will provide positive affirmation and affirm the valid, conscious, informed adult decisions you're making for your own well-being. And if you're on the way out, um, if like myself, you encounter people overstepping ethical boundaries um, in like my ex, uh, my ex's family, there was a push for me to do counseling with them. They wanted to do our marital counseling. They're not a licensed registered counselor or therapist of any kind. Mm. And they but they wanted to do that so they have our personal information. Mm-hmm. So my biggest tip, honestly, for deconstruction of faith or going into accountancy, um, building your witchy pagan journey, shadow work, all that stuff, keep your personal information boundaries solid. You never have to give that personal information to these people. The only time your autonomy and privacy is open is if you are threatening to harm yourself or you're threatening or have harmed, right and that's mm-hmm. the legal realm the medical field you never are obligated to talk to the pastor doesn't matter who was like hey let's have a little coffee date together you never have to give your personal information to them um when it comes to like decisions about your sex life if you're going to be polyamorous you're going to be an accountant that's between you and your lawyers, your doctors, your therapists, any of that information, your personal information, um, you don't have to give that to anybody unless you want to. So essentially, like my biggest tip is affirm yourself in your conscious decisions you make for your own well-being because those are valid and you are the expert in your experience in what you need.
0: I love that. Great advice. And especially the tip about even just using your platform. House of courts mm-hmm. to show that there are people out there you're not alone because I think for us getting kicked out of the church that was the biggest thing for me that loss of community yeah. and you know how could what I'm feeling now this isn't the good side I want back in on the good side right yeah. so <laughs> exactly having something where a friend outside of the church you know just one friend or having one hobby that's not connected to the church can be so crucial to lean on when you're going through that now where can people find you and find your content what do you I'll put all the links in the thing but what sort of Mm -hmm. where are you on where are you at
1: so you can find me of course the variety of places um the house of courts we've kind of got what's called um operation secret tunnel (laughs) (laughs) We kind of like call it amongst ourselves. Um, But it basically became our affirmation mission of if you are on the way out, basically we cannot fix things. We cannot, we always disclaim we cannot help with mental health. We will always refer you to those who are qualified, but we will be there to affirm you and validate you. So Discord kind of became the community um, the little, the literal community, the content, um, for shadow work, um, is through Patreon. Um, but I try to do a lot as much free work resources as I can. So if you want the content, that's going to be through the TikToks. Um, my cosplay and makeup is, it has also been shadow work for me. Um, if you are following along with my characters and stuff like that, um, I started doing makeup daily as like, a, taking back my autonomy my body belongs to me um because my church was all like makeup is for pagans that's pagan that's pagan things like don't do makeup and stuff it's vain Mm -hmm. or whatever and i was like doing makeup was crossing another line for me so regardless of if it's my cosplay makeup account if it's my kink account or my witchy shadow work account on tiktok that's the content um the diy sugar baby stuff is kind of becoming my um all of the above, but also for people who are going to accountancy or want to know more about sex work, about consent, things like that, and being like, here is what you need to know. But like, if people are telling you it's glamorizing sex work, that is a bad faith. That is such bad faith. Like, no, we're going to be realistic as we talk about this. And um, of course, I stream on Twitch. Uh, you can come literally hang out with me on Twitch uh, at least three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. So yeah, there's just a plethora of stuff you can you can either interact with me on the community on the community level or you can consume the content based on your interests.
0: Fantastic, and I love that you're everywhere. I'm similar to you. I have
1: everything sort of
0: spread out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I know, and I love your content. You're like <laughs> your the astrology stuff you pulled together for me. I was just like. Oh my gosh also, that's, like the that's formatting right. was so good oh thank you
0: so I did an astrology report for Rosie a little while back so um I have been having a few people respond saying that they just love how it looks as well mm-hmm. which was a big part oh, for me so in creating cool. it I love <laughs> I love making it look pretty <laughs> No, it looks so good. It, it <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you. Now, for anyone who is listening out there, if you do want to book an astrology report or a reading with me or a guidance call, you can do so on my website, SuburbanWitchery.com. You can also follow along and find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss one of these episodes. And I really, really would love if you could leave a rating or review, especially over on Apple Podcasts. It keeps us in the charts and keeps us getting us. Uh, out there to those who need to hear it. So I'd love to hear your feedback and your responses and what you thought of this episode. Did it help you? That would be great to hear. Thank you so much for listening or watching along with us on YouTube. And as always, I hope you have a lovely day wherever you are in the world today. Thank you for listening.